Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Here's this week's lesson. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 to 33 and 44 to 52. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 to 33 and 44 to 52. Some more parables here. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Another parable he spoke to them, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measure of meal, till it was all leavened. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full they drew to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said to them, Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he said to them, Therefore every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. The word of God for us this morning. God surprises. Christ gives the disciples several parables which explain to them the kingdom of God. The first parable, which we looked at a couple weeks ago, he gives them is about the four kinds of soil. Three of them do not receive the message of the king. They reject him and his kingdom. And we still see this today. In fact, most of the world rejects God, rejects Christ. Most of the world is the hard soil that doesn't even let the message in, or the rocky soil that lets it in a little while and then it withers, or maybe the weedy soil that finally chokes it out because of the love of this world and the cares of this age. Most of the world is rejecting of the word. But the Lord says, I'll still be the king, and I am still the sovereign ruler over the earth, and I'm still rolling, but I am allowing for rejection. And of course, the immediate question that would come into the mind of the disciples would be, well, what's going to happen to those that reject the king? How should we treat them? And so the Lord tells them the second parable that we saw last week. He says the wheat and the tares, the kingdom citizens and the rejectors are going to grow together until when? until the time of judgment, harvest time. 
And what he is saying is it's not your job to be the executioners. That's for the angels in the judgment. Your job is to keep on being the wheat in the midst of the world so that you'll influence the weeds that are all around you. You're not to be the executioners. You're not to pull off the judgment. You're not to pull them out of the ground because you don't know what you're doing. You're liable to kill some Christians in the process and let some non-Christians go because you can't see their heart. So your job is not judgment. Your job is evangelism. They'll grow together until the end. Now, what do you think the next question is that they're going to ask? They're going to think, well, we've got all these people who reject God's kingdom and they're all over the place. And evil was so powerful and evil was so strong and evil was so dominating in its influence. If these two things are growing along together, isn't that going to choke out the life of the kingdom? Isn't that going to strangle the power of Christ in this world? Yeah, that's a natural question. That's natural that they would think that. I mean, they're looking at each other and they're saying, it's just us guys. Uh, we're the kingdom of God in this world. And uh, man, the odds are unbelievable. Uh, aren't we going to get wiped out in this whole ordeal? And so Jesus teaches them a few more parables that show from very small beginnings the kingdom is going to grow in spite of the opposition to ultimately influence the whole wide world. He also teaches them a few parables about the value of the kingdom. It is amazing how many warnings we find in Scripture time after time. Jesus reminds his hearers and followers of the judgment to come. There is an unmistakable urgency to Jesus' message. In last week's message, we add the image of the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the same phrase appears again in today's gospel lesson. There are consequences to our actions and to our faith and the final result that the angels will come to sort out the righteous and the wicked. The one will enter into the joy of God's kingdom, the other to everlasting torment. The emphasis must remain on the joy that comes from following Jesus, not the threat of eternal punishment. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, like yeast, like treasure buried in a field, like a merchant in search of fine pearls, like a net filled with fish, both good and rotten fish. Each of these parables has a surprise, though, something unexpected. See, a mustard seed, at least at the time, is the smallest of all seeds, but grows into the greatest of shrubs, even a tree that birds can nest in its branches. It does not take much yeast to leaven the loaf of bread. These parables are parallel, and here Jesus is saying that faith can appear small and insignificant but can change one's whole entire life. The next two parables are also paired together. There is buried treasure in a pearl of great price. We all like to hear stories of unexpected good fortune from Aladdin to Treasure Island. You know, we like treasure maps and magic lamps and buried gold and all that kind of stuff. 
Well, the people of Jesus' day also like stories like that. But the point of these parables is the unexpected nature of God. God comes to us when we least expect it and in wondrous ways. God's kingdom is so valuable, it is worth giving up everything for. And the final parable echoes the theme of last Sunday, that it was the field of wheat mixed with the tares. Here it is the fishing net full of both good and bad fish which are kept together until the boat reaches the shore and the good fish are kept and the bad thrown away. The theme is again that the world is a mixed company of the righteous and wicked will be so until the last day. The surprise is that the separation does not occur until the end. The kingdom of God is like. Jesus taught in parables, and in each one of these, a surprise comes from God. God causes the tiny mustard seed to grow into a huge tree. God uses the little bit of leaven to cause the loaf of bread to rise. God has buried treasure where least expected worth enough to sell everything for in order to buy that field and the pearl great enough to give all that one has to purchase such a wonderful pearl. God keeps adding fish to the net. Each parable has a surprise. And God's surprises do not disappoint us. Our parables tell us that. What looks little and insignificant can still make a great difference. Just look at the mustard seed or the leaven. The little seed produces a tree ten feet tall, the fistful of yeast mixed with flour and water into three measures can feed a hundred people. It does not take too many believing, trusting Christians to make a difference in our community. Even a few of us living out our faith can do it. We should not be discouraged in our faith. That's the point of the first two parables. A few can do great things. Small things can have ultimately very large effects. The kingdom of God starts small, at first only a handful, but ends very large. God's kingdom is itself a wonderful surprise. It is like the treasure in the field or the expensive pearl. It is so wonderful that it makes everything else seem insignificant. The laborer sold all he had to buy the field, the merchant all his other pearls. It is a promise for us. If we are God's people, God's children, then other things do not matter as much. If we are not rich, so what? If we're not beautiful, trim, or attractive, so what? As Isaiah said, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. We may not be powerful people, but God's surprise for us is simply this. What counts in God's eyes is our relationship to him through Jesus Christ. God sees us in light of Christ, forgiven, reconciled, and restored. It is a treasure indeed that we have from God a jewel given to us by God that our future is secure in his loving hands. We may not have what the world offers, power, prestige, money,
but we have what the world cannot give, God's presence and God's peace now and forever. God continues to surprise us. God comes to us with a word, word of forgiveness when we confess our sins. God comes to us at Bible study, at vacation Bible school, on a mission trip, or in times of loneliness or sickness, worry or pain. God can use ordinary times or special times to come near. When we least expect God to act, God comes showering blessings. We should not be discouraged when things go wrong, but realize that God is working out a plan of love and care for us. God has great treasures laid up for us. The greatest is the kingdom of heaven. Well, how do you get there? So someone has just uh, arrived at the gates of heaven and a voice asks, what is the password? Speak it and you may enter. Uh, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? No, replies the voice. The just shall live by faith? No. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus? Those sayings are all true, the voice answered, but they are not the password for which I listen. Well, then I give up. That's it. Come right on in. So how do you get there? You give up your life to Christ. You obey his will for you. This involves reading and studying his word, living a life that honors and glorifies him, proclaiming his word to others, and planting a seed in their life so they too may grow. The kingdom of God starts small and faces struggles along the way, but it ends with a large victory. The kingdom of God is a free gift given to those who know they cannot make it on their own and must rely upon God's grace. God's surprise comforts us when it looks as though evil will triumph. Judgment is also justice. Along with weeping and gnashing of teeth will come shouts of joy and thanksgiving. That's God's final surprise, eternal life for those who believe. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that though it started small, the kingdom in this age will end by dominating the whole world. How wonderful to be a part of that. We pray that people around the world will turn to Christ. We know that in your revelation you have given us profound truth, eternal truth. Thank you for putting it in simple terms so that we can understand it. Thank you for the hopefulness that your kingdom moves ahead to victory in spite of the opposition of the world. And God, thank you that even as we see our society falling apart, sin accelerating, even though the gospel is rejected the kingdom grows against all of that opposition. Thank you for that power. Thank you that ultimately the extent will be global and eternal. 
Father, I pray that everyone in this place is a part of that kingdom, that none will know the weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth of an eternal torment because they'll come to you through Christ. And it is in his name we pray and give thanks. Amen.